good morning. I am thankful that you're here this morning. I'm thankful you're watching us online, though many of us are still online and going to be for a little bit. But, I, but I'm grateful that for those of you that are, have come today, I'm grateful that you've joined us uh, at your home. And, and, and I'm just praying the Lord speaks today. You know, as I was just sitting down here, just saying to the Lord, Lord, we just need you. We need to hear from you today. And, and, and thankfully that when we come together, the Bible says as we gather together, whether that gathering is physically and we're learning to gather digitally, regardless of how we gather, that the, the Bible tells us that when two or more are gathered in his name, he's there. And I'll tell you, this is just one of those days I'm grateful to, to sit with the Lord. Um, if you have your Bibles, in, we're in John chapter 7. I'd love for you to turn there. And in fact, I, I want us to just read the text this morning. Uh, I'm going to read it together. So would you stand with me as we read John chapter 7? And um, we're going to read 1 through 5. John chapter 7, 1 through 5. It says this. After this, Jesus traveled in Galilee. Since he did not want to travel in Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. The Jewish festival of shelters was near. So his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea so your disciples can see your works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he's seeking public recognition. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You know, this is one of those passages of scripture that we could tend to overlook and just kind of read it as, okay, that just giving us some data, some information. But, but you know, there, there's, when you think about this passage, look at it with me. After Jesus has traveled in Galilee, uh, since he didn't want to travel in, Jesus, in Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. I mean, think about Jesus' ministry was difficult. People were trying to kill him. And, and that's not something I, I really know what it feels like. Uh, though uh, there are times in ministry it's tense. And, 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 and you know, I, I'm, we're going to be requiring masks starting our August 16th. And, and that's not a popular spot as a pastor. But, uh, you know, there'll be some people frustrated about that. But what do you do? We're going to just do our best. In, our, in this crazy world we're in. So let's just learn to uh, be gracious with one another. But when you think about Jesus, people were trying to kill him. Uh, that's, that's crazy to me. I mean, I can't imagine walking through my day with people trying to kill me, but that's the reality. And his brothers was like, hey, once you leave here and go to Judea and let your disciples see your, your works, and then it just kind of gives us some insight into the, the life of Jesus in verse 5. For not even his brothers believed in him. Now, I have a brother. I'm going to see my brother this afternoon, Mike, my brother Mike. And, and you know, we've grown up together. I, I mean, he's older than me. And so my entire life, I've known my brother Mike. You know, Jesus had some brothers, and, and he, they knew him their entire life. And they didn't believe in him. You know, um, I was thinking about uh, today as I was preparing for this message, I kept thinking about Chuck. Uh, 
Chuck is a, is a friend of mine I met as a junior in high school. I went to Moore High School in Moore, Oklahoma, and where all the tornadoes, famous for tornadoes, I guess. But, uh, but uh, at Moore, my junior year, I meet Chuck Thompson. And Chuck was this larger-than-life personality. He was, our, he, was a, he was our senior class president our senior year of high school. He was a... He was a great athlete. He was one of these guys that you, you looked at him. He grew before everybody else, but he kept growing. He was just a big guy, and he, you, you, he, he just looked like you chiseled him out of a piece of marble. He just had that physique that was just a big guy. He was a great athlete. He was, a, he was actually a wrestler. He was a Division I wrestler in college, and, and, and it was a great friend to have as a tennis player because I was a tennis player. And so, you know, it's always good to have tennis, uh, like a wrestler, wrestler that's a friend because no one's ever going to pick on me, okay, because Chuck was my friend, and, and uh, so Chuck was a good friend to have. It's like my karate instructor always told us that, that uh, if you ever had to fight a wrestler or a bull rider, talk your way out of it. This is just good because wrestlers are just tough, and bull riders, they're just not right in the head, so, so you just ought to talk your way out of those fights, uh, but Chuck was a, a wrestler and was uh, just a fun friend to have, and, and Chuck was one of those friends, though. In my life, he was lost. And, and he was one of those friends in my life that I shared the gospel with him multiple times. I took him to church with me. I, we went to revivals, and I, he heard revival speakers. And, and we would leave church, and we'd have these long discussions about God. And Chuck was a valedictorian of our class, one of our valedictorians. And so he's really intellectual, so he's always reasoning these things. And, and, and you know what? I couldn't convince him about Jesus. I could not convince him. And I tried. Uh, I was like, Chuck, we got to see this. We'd look at these things in different ways. And he'd go, yeah, I just don't know. I buy it. I don't buy it. Well, you know, was, I graduated before Facebook was invented. And, and uh, so when I graduated, we kind of lost track of each other. And we went separate ways. And, and uh, right around, but I prayed for Chuck so many times. I would come to my mind and my heart. But we just lost track. And, and right around our 10-year reunion, right after our 10-year reunion, we got connected. And he calls me. He tells me a story. He's like, Chris, uh, man, I've been had a rough time in my life. He kind of hit some walls in his life. And, and um, he, um, he gets drunk one day, and he drives. To, he was in Midwest City, was where he was living. And he drives to First Southern Baptist Church in Dell City, Oklahoma. Walks in the door, and he meets a staff member, and he says, I just need to come to Jesus. I need to get saved. And he gets saved. Chuck gets saved. And, and, and you know, we reconnected after our 10-year reunion. We stayed connected ever since. And, and, in fact, my first Sunday to preach at Owasso, Chuck sat right there on the front row to come and support me. And, and you know, his journey of faith has been amazing to, to watch. And, and, I, and I've watched him grow in his walk with the Lord. He lives in Florida now. I, he texts me all the time and, he, you know, all these theological questions he's wrestling through. And it's, it's just so much fun to watch Chuck and, and to see his progression of faith. But, you know, I can think back of times when I was friends with Chuck and we were talking about the Lord. And it was like I can't, I can't convince him. And I was discouraged. I was down. I was worried about him. He was my friend, and I loved him, and I cared about him. And, and you know what? It was just kind of a struggle when I think about my life with him. But you know, when I read John 7, 
It's encouraging to me. Like, like our church, we're, we're calling this series The Gospel Adventure. And one of the things that I want to put it back in your heart. Remember, remember, if you were here January 1st, the first Sunday of January, we have a gospel challenge. And the challenge is to, to, to like, platform 936, this platform that you and I have been given. Each one of us have been given a platform to share the gospel, a platform to, to help people see Jesus. And, and at the beginning of this year, we said to our church, the, the gospel adventure, the gospel challenge that we are, I, I pray that we embrace as a church body is that we see people like Jesus sees them. Like Matthew 9, 36, when, when he was moved with compassion, he, he saw this crowd. They were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then Jesus said in Matthew 9, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends workers into his harvest field. And the reality is that you and I are workers in the harvest field of God. And, and God has deployed us. God has sent us out into relationships with people. And that comes in, in the way we work and where we play and where we do recreation, where we live. And we have all these relationships. But, but you know what? There are times it's discouraging as we share the gospel as believers. Because you run into people like my relationship with Chuck, where I would share with him, and it, and it honestly, I didn't see fruit from that for years. And you know what? Sometimes we live in this culture of fast food, right? We want everything so quick, and we have microwaves, and we have... Um, you know, faster internet, and we, we, we just need something fast. And it's difficult for us to embrace the reality that sometimes the work of God is not fast. And, and, and you know, when I think about Jesus and his relationship with his brothers, it's encouraging to my heart that, that Jesus' brothers struggled to believe in him. Think about that. His own brothers. I mean, these are guys that, he, that knew him better than anybody else. And this morning, uh, I want us to think about this first point that is just fascinating to me, is that, that Jesus had siblings who struggled to believe in him. Now think about that, siblings, people that saw every aspect of his life, people that, 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 that knew, knew him their entire life. They, they, I mean, you have to say they were half-siblings because you know that, that the father of Jesus, when you understand Scripture, was not Joseph. But Joseph and Mary had other children, and, and, and we know this from the Scriptures. But, 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 you know, when I think about our call as, as followers of Christ on this gospel adventure, that, that we are called to be a witness, it's encouraging to my heart to, to recognize the... the that Jesus and his brothers had a major disconnect, really from the scriptures, his entire earthly ministry. It's interesting to think about. Now, it makes sense, you know, because when you know somebody so well, when you, you see somebody so often, you kind of lose the fact that they're really remarkable, right? I, I did something with my daughter. You ought to try this with your, your family. This week, I did it to Maggie. She, she comes out of bed. I, I get, uh, she gets out of bed, and she's walking in the kitchen, you know, like when you just wake up and you're walking like this. And she walked in the kitchen, and I go, Maggie, oh, my goodness, you're here. It's so good to see you. And she was looking at me like, what? 
who, what are you saying? And, and I just was, I just greeted her like I hadn't seen her in like a year. And, uh, and she just thought that was very odd. Because, because so often we get in normal life with each other and we, and, and, and it's just normal. Jesus' brothers. They just saw him, you're Jesus. You, you hung out with, you know, as we built stuff with our dad. And yes, yet you're walking around doing these things that I'm not sure I buy. I can't explain it, but, but, but I don't believe in you. His brothers, John 7, 5, even his brothers didn't believe in him. Can you imagine the heart of Jesus as he looks at his own brothers, burdened for the world? And, and this is what we've got to recognize about Jesus. He was burdened for people. And this is why I pray we are like him with a burden for people. Now, James is an interesting story. I want you to look at Matthew 13. Turn over to Matthew 13. It's a really interesting passage. In Matthew 13, verse 55, it says, Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Verse 55, I'll give you a second to turn there. I hear some pages still turning. But is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not mother? Is, is, his mother, is this not his mother called Mary? And, and are not his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? I mean, he had four brothers right there. This is one of those passages that point to the fact four brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. And, and are, are not all his sisters with us? I mean, right there, it gives us insight into the family of Jesus. He had brothers and sisters. goes on, where did this man get all these things? They took offense at him. Because Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do, and, and he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. But when you think about, about this journey of Jesus, and I think about the emotion of Jesus with his own family, they looked at him and said, we don't believe you. Now, now I think Mary did. Mary, of course, did. Because, you know, she was there when, when the, the birth happened and, and that message from Joseph. And can you imagine Mary as she deals with her own children, as they look at, at her and go, Mom, are you kidding me? Who is this? What, what, he's embarrassing us. And think about it. That would probably embarrass you. If, you're, if my brother was walking around Oklahoma, I mean, we both grew up in Oklahoma City. If my brother was walking around and saying to the world, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'd be like, Mike, shut up. Mike, you're embarrassing our family. Mike, what are, what are you doing? What, 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 you're, you're going and making all these crazy claims. You, people want to kill you. I mean, that, can you imagine his brothers going, hey, Jesus, people want to kill you. And that would be embarrassing for them. But yet, they didn't believe him. And that had to hurt the heart of God. But when you think about the story of James, James, his brother, you know, according to this text, I would assume that it's his brother that's closest to his age, his, his, the, the, his oldest half-brother, because I would just make that claim because he's listed first here in, in Matthew 13. And James's story is remarkable. Because you, from the text, and as you study the life of Jesus, you can look at Jesus and recognize that it's likely that none of his siblings during his entire earthly ministry trusted in him. 
But then you look at this transformation of James. James chapter 1. Look at James 1.1. 1, 1. I want you to flip again. Because I want us to think about this and, and think about the remarkable, the remarkable statement in James 1.1 1, 1, when he says, and it's this incredible statement. And, and, and some of your, I think of, some of them will say, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. This James is the brother of Jesus. He writes one of the books of, of the Bible. And what's interesting, though, we understand the, the Bible was really God's word to us, God's love letter to us. We, we recognize that, that God used human instruments human people to spread the gospel, and God uses James. And when he, I think a better translation of this word servant, as James writes, he says, James, a bond slave of Jesus, of, of, of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he, you see this transformation in James's life. He goes in John 7, Matthew 13, as I don't believe in him, to James 1 saying, I am a slave of my Messiah my brother. And that's interesting. It's an interesting transition. And when you come to, to James, you look at him and he had a transformed life. When you think about this man, James, he became this radical follower of Jesus. And we, history tells us a little bit about James, that, that he became one of the, the first leaders of the, of the church. And, and he was, in fact, he was in some, some incredible moments in the life of the church. And in Acts 15, it's James that presided over this incredible event. In Acts 15, as, as James is the leader of the church, even Paul and Peter, they're, they're following James. And, and James settles, helps settle the controversy over the Gentiles coming into the church. And, and he, was a, he became this radical follower of Christ. History tells us about James, that, that he was martyred like many of the early disciples. They were martyred. They were killed for their faith. Um, you know, there's a couple of stories about James, and they might be married together through history. James, his, the brother of Jesus, was either beaten by clubs, according to history, uh, as he stood for Christ, or he was thrown off the temple. And, uh, and, and it's possible that those two pieces of history were together as James might have been beaten first and then they took him up to the temple mount and threw him off the temple and he died. But he, but he stood for Christ. He became this radical follower of Jesus. He, he is known as a man of action. Like if you study the book of James and, and you see that he's calling people to faith and say, put your faith into practice. Do something about it. His, the history tells us about James that he was so devoted to Christ that, that he didn't cut his hair. He almost took a Nazarite vow. And he, he was so disciplined. He didn't eat meat. He just, he just focused in prayer. He, he He's known as, as James the just and the righteous because he was so devoted to Christ. He also has a reputation of being James the camel need. Uh, because have you ever seen the knees of a camel? When we were in Israel, we rode a camel. And camel knees, they're like 
pieces of like leather on their knees because they're on their knees so much. James had this reputation as a man of prayer because he was so often on his knees seeking the Lord, saying, Jesus, I, I need to follow you. I need your wisdom. And, and he, he just is this incredible leader. He was a, a leader of the church in this major time of transition. And, and I'm grateful for James because I would argue 99% of our church were Gentiles, right? Um, we're, we don't, we're not Jewish. And James was the leader that, that really presided over the, the inclusion of Gentiles into the church. And, and we, we think about from 1 Corinthians 9, 5, that he was married. Um, and what I love about James is he taught that faith drives a believer to action. If you're going to summarize James's story, he's like, let's do something. Let's get busy. Look, we're going to face trials. We're going to face oppositions. But, but let me tell you something. Nothing should stop us from serving the Lord. That's the story of James. That's where he came from. That, that's, the, that's the mark of his life. And if you're going to summarize his life, if, if we were standing and doing a eulogy for James at his funeral, that's what we would say about him, that, man, he was a man of faith. He was a man of action. He was a man of prayer. He was a man that made incredible contributions. And what's interesting, when you look at the early scriptures about James, he didn't even believe. And you see this transition and this progression to this radical follower of Jesus. And I love the story of James. And you know, when I think about James's life, what, what was it? What was it that, that made the switch? What was it? I mean, I, I thought about that with Chuck. What was it that made the switch with Chuck? What was it that caused him to go, look, I need Jesus. I need to follow Christ. What was it that he would, after all those times in my life when I was um, sitting at lunch with Chuck or following up after a service, uh, you know, that, that he would walk into a church years later, hadn't talked to me in years, and say, I need Jesus. What was it? Well, I think it's what happens to all of us. It's a visit from the Lord. It's like what I said from the beginning. We need to meet with the Lord today. Because when you come and meet with the Lord Oh my goodness, that changes everything. You know, when I think about James, I, I think we, we can look at the scriptures and, and point to something that changed James' life. And you know what it was? It was the resurrection of his brother. He watched his brother die. He saw his brother go to the cross. Because though, you know, I mean, people knew James and his brothers, and, and they knew who Jesus was. They knew there was a connection. And so I guarantee you, news traveled when Jesus went to the cross. Uh, they were knew their mom. We don't know where Joseph went in the story of the Bible. He, he, he's obviously not around. Uh, likely he died prior to, to Jesus' um, moment on the cross but because Mary's the only one around. And, and, and you know, remember when Jesus was on the cross, he said to, to John, take care of my mother, take care of her. So obviously they were in, in Joseph wasn't there. I think he was dead. But, but here's, Jesus died. And I want, to, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Flip over there. 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse 3. This is a really interesting passage. In 1 Corinthians 13, 
This is, I think, gives us insight into why James's life was transformed. It says this, verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Verse 7, look at this. Then he appeared to James. Can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine? Can you imagine that moment with James? Can you imagine all those people right there? So, like when, when Paul writes Corinthians, he says, Look, um, Jesus died on the cross, and then he appeared to all these people. And look, he appeared his brother. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? I, I hope that the Lord and James give us insight into that meeting when we get to heaven. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I can only imagine what it could be like from, from just the, the interaction of Jesus and Thomas and, and Jesus and Peter as, as, as they, Jesus appears to them and says, hey, look, Here's my, here's my wounds. Hey, touch me. James, James. And I guarantee you, if my brother was cruising around Oklahoma City saying, Chris, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, I'd be like, dude, shut your mouth. But if he died, and I went to his funeral, and he was buried, and then he rose from the dead, I'd be like, okay. Okay. And you know what? Here's what I pray we see. Is that that the resurrection is something that took place. Folks, that changes everything. Think about it. Jesus rose from the dead. This is why we can't ever quit. And this is why when it comes to this gospel challenge, this call to share the gospel to the world, nothing, nothing should stop us. Not difficulty, not, not, not disappointment, not trial, not um, rejection. Nothing should stop us. And I want us to remember this call that we have. And, and, and me as your pastor, I'm telling you, I'm called to, to, to you. We're called to this place. We're called to this time. And when I think about the, 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 where we are in the world, it's amazing to me. Just yesterday, I went to my daughter's graduation from OBU. And, and one of my good friends, he was the speaker at her graduation, and he's a, a leader in our nation. And we were just talking about the church. And I was like, you know, he was like, how are you? And I go, you know what? We have a, I, I really think we have one of the greatest opportunities in front of us that we've ever seen in the church. Because look at our world right now. Our world is struggling. Our, these problems that are in the world, all it's doing is revealing 
the frailty of humanity. And folks, God has called us as the church with the gospel message because this, this death that everybody's afraid of, guess what? Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus defeated death. And see, this is the message that the world needs to hear because here's this point number two, and it's, oh, I only got two points today, sort of. It's the, that the, true, the resurrection is a truth everyone must confront. Folks, Jesus rose from the dead. And I look at the life of James and I think about all the things that he struggled with. I think about the, the persecution that he felt and the, and the way that he died, the, the, the challenge in the church of, 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 of the, the people that doubted him. But he gave his life. Why? Because he's like, I saw him. I met with him. My brother rose from the dead. Folks, I think about my life. The reason I am so motivated to, to, to share the gospel with the world, the reason why we must not ever quit, even when we get discouraged, even when we get down, even when we get tripped, even we, when we get punched. Let me tell you something. The gospel is powerful. And the gospel, this message of the resurrection of Christ is the only hope to the world. And this is why as a follower of Christ called to these times, called to this place, we must never give up, ever. We must never stop trusting the Lord. We must never stop walking with the Lord. And when I think about the life of James, I'm encouraged by him. You know, I think about our call to share the gospel with the world. It is my prayer that our church has a burden for people. And I want to ask you to begin praying for people to be saved. I want to challenge you to stop being silent about what Jesus has done. If you're here today and, and, and you're discouraged, let me encourage you with the fact that Jesus conquered the grave. And he appeared to, to over 500 people. He even appeared to his brother James. And, and, and folks, there is compelling evidence to the resurrection of Christ. When you think about what Jesus has done, let me tell you something. God, is, God has worked powerfully in the world. God is at work powerfully right now. But here's what we've got to recognize. Folks, sin is devastating. Sin is devastating. And this is why we have got to be a people. And when I think about the life of James, and, and I, and I want to push you to, to, to look at him and study him and, and trace him through the scriptures, look at him through history, study the brother of Jesus, because when you look at his life, he, he was stuck in his sin. He was stuck in, I'm going my own way. I'm, I'm in this religious path. I'm, I'm in this, uh, uh, this Jewish path which is earning my way to heaven. And Jesus came and said, no, look, James, I came to be that Passover lamb. I came to, to pay for your sins, James. See, I remember when Jesus met with me and he took my sin away. But I think about how, how we as believers in Christ, we don't have time to flirt with sin. We don't have time to, 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 
to disobey the Lord. This is the, not the time to, to disobey the Lord. This is not the time to, to stop following the Lord. This is the time to come together and be the church and strengthen one another. This is not the time to be distant. I'm not saying we don't spread our chairs out or still follow the, the half online, half together. I'm not saying we don't do that. But I'm saying, folks, we've got to share the gospel with the world. We've got to wake up. And I pray that God uses this time in the life of the church to wake us up because the resurrection changes everything. And see the focal point of human history. What is it? It's the cross and resurrection. I mean, think about it. If It's like my... Uh, I've talked to people that I've, I've, I've been in moments where I've, where I've argued with people, maybe not so effectively. But, but, when, I, but, but when I think about my, the, the people that, I, that are in my life, like the Chuck Thompsons of my life, or these people that are dear friends where we sit down together and I say, let me just tell you. And, we, and, and, we, and I've, burdened for, I've been praying for him and burdened for him. And folks, all of us have people in our lives that you should be praying for. And my prayer is that, that we're, we're not just talking about sharing the gospel with strangers. I'm talking about people that you know. And folks, we've, we've got to have a burden for people, be praying for people. And, for, and I can remember sitting down with Chuck saying, man, this is a big deal, the resurrection, right? It's a big deal, right? And folks, we've got to understand when it comes to our faith, the resurrection of Christ is the focal point of human history. It's the focal message of our lives. I pray that we, we follow the Lord. The beginning of this year, God moved our church to a gospel challenge. This challenge to, to speak up about Christ. And I want to ask you, are we? Are we witnesses for Christ? Are we burdened for people? Are we self-focused? Are we, are we just going through the motions? You know what I'm, my prayer for our church today is let's, let's look at James. James was a man of action. A man that put his faith into practice. And folks, let me tell you something. Whether you're a believer or you're a non-believer. Today is the day to repent of sin and trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. Let me ask you a question. When I, when I think about this world that we're in, this time that we're in, let me tell you something. We are in a spiritual battle. Satan is gonna come against us and attack us and discourage us. And when I look at my, friend, my pastor friends around me, I mean, and I feel it to, to some degree as well that, that this is a discouraging time. This is the most, this is the craziest time I've ever known in ministry. I've never known times like this with uncertainty and division and, and difficulty and, and questions and what's going to happen. We don't know. But let me tell you something. This is the time to walk with the Lord. This is the time to trust the Lord, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the consequences. I pray that today 
you find yourself right in the middle of God's will. Because life is too short. And these days are too critical for us to waste our time. And so I want to push you to follow the Lord. I want to push you back to the word of God, to, to, to not be flippant about scripture. Because I think about John 7, how easy it is just to flip over this and not think about the burden of Christ, the call of our lives. Folks, from the beginning of this year, God called us to a gospel adventure to see people like Jesus sees them. To use the platform that you've been given. And there's lots of ways we're fleshing this out. You know, there's a marketplace mission trip, another one coming up. You know what, I've been praying, and I need to tell you this. I apologize for not telling you. Mike Henry is in our church, and there's a, a website called Follower of One. And I've been praying for a hundred of our church members that will go on a mission trip this year at their own workplaces. You don't have to go out of town. If you want to flesh this out of being a witness, sign up for Follower of One. Sign up for our next Marketplace mission trip. We just finished one. You know, I want to challenge us. Look, school's about to start. We don't even know how that's going to be. But let me tell you something. With that comes the start of a new year. And people, we, August 16th, we start our groups back. We need to start inviting people again. We need to start connecting with people again. We need to start paying attention to our neighbors and our friends. You know what's concerning to me? Even in my own heart. I was at a gas station the other day, and a man walks up to me to ask me a question, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know him. You know, he didn't have a mask on. Oh, no. What are we going to do? And folks, look, let's not be afraid of people. Let's embrace people. Let's embrace this call of God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have an invitation right now. And whether you're online and watching, and I know it's weird. we got to figure out how to connect online. i got to do that, and you got to do that if you're watching online. we just got to figure that out. So let's learn some new skills and figure it out. Whether you're in the room or online, let me tell you something. It's time to get right with the Lord. Maybe you've walked in here today, and if you were, if it was just God and you, you'd go, you know what, I'm, I'm not right with the Lord right now. Well, you could walk out of this place right with the Lord. Maybe you just tuned in today and you're not right with the Lord. You could get right with the Lord right now. You don't need us to help you do that, but we sure want to be there to help you. So it's awkward with invitations now. It's weird. So here's what we're going to do with invitations. If you need somebody to pray with, if you're online, I want you to type. Uh, there's somebody that's just typed, hey, I'm here for you to help. And so 
reach out to that person. If you need somebody to pray with, if you in this room need somebody to pray with, there's a room, 505, I believe, right there. It's right there. It's five something. There's a light on. There's people in there. If you need somebody to pray with today, you could go there. And someone would pray with you and help you. But I want us to pray right now and ask you to bow your head. Would you do that? Lord Jesus, whether they're online or in this room, I pray that your spirit would move right now. Father, this is the time to walk with you. I thank you for how you saved your brother. And I thank you for the life that he lived and the legacy that was left through him. I thank you for the resurrection, Lord, how it changed everything for us. And I pray that we would come to you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.